we've heard from God today. I thought about Brother Russian, you know. Uh, I really hate to have Brother Russian. He, he, he's ruined me here at Mountain Home because every time he comes and preaches, the next time I get up to preach after he's gone, my people stand up and chant and say, we want Russian, we want Russian, we want Russian. <laughs> Amen. But he's certainly been a good friend of this church. But we have been so privileged to have uh, Brother Paul Price with us. Uh, to minister to us. I, I tell you, my soul has just been so enriched. I wish you could stay weak. <laughs> Amen. Well, Brother Price, God bless your heart. We love you tonight. Uh, thank you so much for coming. We want you to come and just take your liberty tonight. We'll stay with you as long as you want to preach and uh, just preach to us the Word of God. Lord bless you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Brother Kessling, and it has been my joy to be here. Now, th this may sound a little strange to you, but I get a special inspiration out of a small group. I really do. I've been in some meetings where we had a small number and there was a move of the Holy Spirit and a touch of God that was just absolutely precious. I've been in places where you've had 10,000 people and that's wonderful. But there's something about that close relationship when we began our church in Napa, uh, we had to worship in, an, uh, in a hall. It was three stories up, Veterans Hall, and it was uh, smoke-filled the night before, beer, leftover cigarettes and all that stuff, and we had to fumigate it before we could get in there and do much. But we've had wonderful experiences in that little building. Well, it was a big building, a little crowd. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to get across to you is that Jesus is not limited to what, how many of us, but he's, in, he's limited in the sense that we have the valve on our end of this thing as to how much we can get from the Lord, what he can mean to us. But I say that, in, in, uh, I, I'm, I'm reminiscing back to the days when we had fellowship meetings, and that was the biggest meeting we'd have in, uh, until we had a conference. And we didn't have a lot of meetings like we have today. But many times we'd meet on a Monday afternoon, and we had dinner at at about uh, six o'clock and then we had church that night well I want you to know there wasn't very many people in the afternoon but I've heard some wonderful messages felt the presence of God in such a precious way that I want to tell you home missions to me is still near and dear to my heart uh, I feel like that there's something just a little special about it and uh, I know that God has blessed what you have here and see what you've done this tells me you've worked and labored, and now you have a place that's comfortable to worship in. If we can get the people outside to know about Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter where you are or what kind of building you've got. If they really get a touch of the Lord, they'll fill the place. <laughs> I ask the Lord to help us to know how to reach people. And this has been a, a refresher to me in the sense of of uh, seeing the interest that you have in being in the house of God, seeing these young men worship and put your heart right into it. You see, we don't, we don't need to let the crowd give us the inspiration. Our inspiration should come from the Lord. Amen. And that's, that's what makes it really wonderful and precious. And, of course, I enjoy being with Brother Rushing. We live within 50 miles of each other, but we don't see each other that often either. Everybody's busy. Everybody's doing and going. But uh, I'm glad for the, the fellowship that we have. Now, now tonight, if you would, would you stand to me, read a few scriptures here for you. 
In the 13th chapter of uh, Matthew, the Lord gave the interpretation of the parable of the sower. And I'd like you to notice the progression uh, of different illustrations he's bringing out here. In the 14th, the 18th verse, he's explaining it. Now, he talked about in the 15th verse that the people's hearts was waxed gross. They were dull of hearing. Now, I'd like to imagine I was back there in this day when he was telling these, giving out these parables. But I want to show you something. There was nothing about Jesus that set him apart of his physical features. There was nothing that made you look at him differently than anybody else. And I thought how sad these poor people were to sit there and hear him speak and didn't really get interested. They were dull of hearing. Now, you have to make yourself learn to hear. Now, you can listen, but when he says hear, he means more than just words that you could accumulate that the man said. He's talking about hearing in the heart, that you hear and respond to it. And, and you know, in the years of preaching, I can tell when the word is going into hearts of people. You can feel it. There's, there's a difference when it's going in. Elder Toole told me when I first started to preach, he said, you can always recognize when God anoints and there's somebody to receive the word, it will be like a flowing river. That one's speaking, the other's responding. He said, God will pour into you things that you never even thought about because there's some place to put it. But if there's no receptacles there, it looks like you're just hitting the wall and it bounces back. So it's the hearers that brings the inspiration. It's the people that hear and respond that brings God's attention. But these people did not know what the parable meant. And I'd like for you to notice this in particular. Jesus cloaked much of his preaching and his teaching in parable form for a purpose. He had made it, and I can see over and over again, if you're really interested, you'll come around and ask when he's finished. But if you're not, just be ignorant still and go on home. But I, I've, I've discovered that. There's something about it when you really want to know it. You're not going to let him get away. I'm going to find out. He, where he, he may be busy now, but I'll wait. I've got to find out what he's talking about. And I feel like that, that when the Word of God is being preached or taught or read or memorized, anything you want to do, you've got to visualize that this is the words of the eternal God of heaven that he's telling us this parable here. He's teaching us something. I would have loved to have been in some of those little meetings that he had with the few that he'd have around him. I don't know all that he could have said because it had to be something. But I am never yet quite figured it out. How in the world he kept people three days on stony ground. I mean, they didn't have restrooms, water fountains, restaurants, just nothing. Three days. There's something about the words of Jesus Christ. If it ever gets a hold of your heart, you can sit spellbound in the heat of the day and say, Oh, Jesus, just keep on talking, keep on talking, keep on talking. Because he has something that doesn't just ring in your ears, but it rings down deep in your spirit, in your heart. And 
he gave the, the parable, and I'd like to just go down through it today, tonight, and share it with you. 18th verse, he said the parable was of the sower. It's about the sower. And then he went on to say, And when one heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and snatches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received the seed by the wayside. You may be seated. No need to be reading the whole thing at one time. He gave the parable about the seed being sown, and he said this is a parable of the sower. The interesting thing about this is the sower, it's the seed, it's the soil. And then the difficulties of what that seed went through to be able to germinate, spring up, and become fruitful. The salmon leave the Pacific Ocean, come up the Sacramento River, and go up to the headwaters. They come up your rivers and goes up to your headwaters and spawn. When they spawn, they die. They don't ever go back to the sea. The, the eggs of the salmon is laying out here in the open in the sand. They're fertilized by the buck. He hovers over them. And outside of that, there's some carp and some sitting there waiting to suck them up. And they salmon run begin to get less. And so we, they decided we better have a hatchery. My father-in-law was a salmon fisherman, commercial fisherman back in the early days on the Sacramento River. He understood the, the whole process. He said a clap of thunder could kill it, that egg at a certain point. It's so delicate. He said that uh, out of the thousands of eggs that's in that little nest, and he mentioned all of the enemies of that seed. He said there's the fish that was eat them up, they get into the sand, and if they get a rock that comes close by and falls over on them, it kills them. But if they ever survive enough to hatch out, they have to go from the headwaters of the Sacramento River, clear down to the ocean, fighting the bass, snapping to them. Their enemies are forever multiplied the closer they get to the ocean. So there's something that you have to realize. The seed is precious. When they, when they have survived enough to become a fingerling and make their way a little old small fish out to the sea and then go out to the ocean and come back after a certain amount of years and back up that same stream and do it all over again year after year. It, it tells you in my mind that he's talking here about the seed that the sower had to sow. A man that sows seed, he has to be willing and wanting a crop. It's not just the seed in his bag that he's talking about. And a sower throws it just like this. And he throws it. Some falls on wayside ground. Some goes over into the weeds. Some goes over here on the blacktop. He said, you got plenty of seed. Throw it everywhere. Don't choose where you throw the seed. Just throw it. You just throw the seed. It doesn't matter where it is. You say, what use does it be if it landed on the blacktop? A bird might pick it up and take it someplace and drop it where it'll spring up and bring forth fruit. He made, he made it very, very obvious that the seed was plentiful. You must have more seed than you need to get a good crop. 
And I, those salmons, eggs are by the thousands, yea, the millions. And out of that, enough escape become fruitful and comes back. So I'm telling you, the beautiful part about this whole parable is the sower is not choosy where he sows this, this, this seed. It can fall wherever it will. But the survival of that seed is going to have to have somebody who's going to care for it. There's got to be a protector of that seed. There's got to be somebody that's going to make sure that seed is going to be protected until it germinates and springs forth and comes forth to be able to be fruitful enough to produce a crop. And from that, I noticed that this is a progression of hearing the word. There's a couple of points that you must remember on this. I was that hard ground at one time. You were that hard ground at one time. You had the seed thrown over on you. You may not even responded. You might not have paid any attention. But your subconscious mind never forgot it, brother. When God walks in the midst of the people, you don't forget where he walks. His steps leave impressions on your brain that you'll never get away from the rest of your life. And so when we, we can't say, well, nothing happened in this revival or nothing happened when I witnessed and I testified. Nothing happened when I witnessed to that person on the job. But I want to tell you something. Don't you ever worry about what happens. You just sow the seed. Sow the seed. Sow the seed. Sow the seed. There's plenty of seed. But if the seed stays in the barn, it's no crop. You've got to get the seed out of the barn and get it out here where you can throw it and cast it here and yawn. And the hard ground that it fell on was ground that was not intended to bring a crop. It was not even prepared for a crop. See, the ground gets prepared first. Any farmer will tell you, you have to prepare the ground. And the better you prepare the ground, the more likely you're going to have a good crop. And this man said, I sowed the seed. It fell over on the wayside. Wayside ground is a path where people have walked back and forth, and they didn't intend to even plow it. They left it stay hard ground. It's a turning row, as it were. It's a place where you take the mule, come out to the end, and you turn around. That's wayside ground. It's walking ground. It's not even producing ground. It wasn't meant to produce. But this seed I'm talking about, if you get it in the ground, do it just right, it's going to produce wherever you plant it. It's going to make a, it's going to make a crop. And so this seed that fell on the wayside ground fell in a certain spot. And notice the enemies of the seed. When he heard the word of the kingdom, and he understandeth it not. Some people say, well, we'll understand it better by and by. That's a lazy man's cop out. There's some things you've got to know now. You can't just leave it to the by and by. You have to preach and teach the word so they understand it. Now, the understanding not necessarily is going to come with my explanation. But when you sow this seed and it falls on ground that's indifferent, you need to start praying for that ground. You put something of your prayers around that ground. It needs to be prayed over. That individual you sowed the seed to, don't ever get the idea it did no good. Because God's seed is going to be good if it's got to be 2,000 years later. It'll produce the crop. It'll have its vitality wrapped up inside of it. They told me that they dug out some seed out of the pyramid, been there for some four or five thousand years old, and they planted it and it sprouted. Well, that's all right to me because the seed that has the life in it is in the kernel, that inside of it. And there's something about what God put life into. If it's kept in a place where it will preserve itself, that life will come out of there. Now, I'd like to ask you to stop and think. They have duplicated seed. The universities have actually made a grain of corn that you couldn't tell it from a real grain of corn. It has the same elements in it. 
It has all the properties that a real grain of corn would have had. You couldn't tell the difference if you saw it sitting on the ground. The only place you can test it is when you plant it. You'll discover which one man made and which one God made. The one that God made will spring a blade of, gra- of corn will come out of the ground. The one that man made will stay in the ground and rot. So there's no life in what man makes. Man can't produce life. But this word that I'm talking about has power and life inside of it. It's living. It's not just a book of encyclopedias. It's not just information I'm passing off unto you. This is the word of life. It's the word that has power. It has power and anointing in the word itself. Not in the speaker, but in the word. I mean the word, the word. So when this soil heard it, but they didn't understand it. You've got to be careful that when you're witnessing to people, you bring them to the house of God. You've got to be able to mother that person and stay with that person and let them understand what's going on. They need to have some understanding. We get the idea because we're so free that everybody should understand everything we're doing. No, they do not. I had a lady that was in the church, and uh, I like to get out here where you folks are. <laughs> she was bringing her granddaughter, and that's all the reason she was coming. And she got to where she stayed over for Sunday night service. And we had one of those great big services, people shouting and running and just having a big time. And I looked back in the audience, and I could see that she was upset. And her nationality was very fiery. And I won't name it because it's in so many nationalities that don't make any difference anyway. It's not your nationality. It's you. <laughs> you, you produce the fire. I don't care what nationality you are. But I tell you what she did, she was so upset and I could see it. While they was all just running and shouting, I went on back to her and I said, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say a word. I just walked up, I was going to say something. And she burned it out to me and said, is that God? I said, no, it's not God. That's us. She said, oh, you mean, do I have to do like that? I said, I said, look. That's how we feel about God. That's our expression, how we feel about Him. Let me tell you something. You are an emotional person. And I want you to expect and understand that when you have a response that thrills your soul, you want to run, you want to shout, you want to dance. That's okay. That's telling Jesus, I just love you, I worship you, I thank you, and I can't hold it together. And this woman is so very emotional about everything. I mean, she hugs everybody. So I know good and well that she didn't understand what she was talking about. But when she got the Holy Ghost, she acted just like they did. <laughs> but I want to show you something. She didn't understand. Now, we need to explain to folks if they're having problems with it. Now, some people have no problem with it. They like it. Say, I enjoy this. They'll run around there with you. They'll join what you're doing. They'll shout like you shout. They'll do, they think it's a big game out here that we're having. Let them run. We don't care. doesn't matter. But I'm explaining to you. There is some way we need to explain. We are expressing ourselves to the Lord. So they don't misunderstand and think that we're just kind of off our rockers. Because it doesn't make too much sense. But neither does a ball game. That don't make a bit of sense. There used to be years ago that the old timers had straw hats. And when their team was winning, they'd take off their straw hat and stomp on it and just yell and shout. That was their enthusiasm, winning the game. And today they shout and do crazy things in a ball stadium by 50,000 people sitting out there. Now, why shouldn't we have a good time worshiping the living God and serving the Lord? 
You see, the beauty of the Lord is that we can express it to Him. And He understands what we're doing. But they don't understand every time what's happening. I had a young man in my church who was doing so well, winning some people. He was working in San Francisco. He lived in Mill Valley. From his house to my church is 40 miles. And he got a, got a, a Bible study going, got some people interested. And he, he worked on them until he got them to a certain point before he'd even tell them what even church he belonged to, where he went to church. They didn't know where he went. He didn't bring his church in. He's got to teach them about the Bible and about repentance. And when they said they understood it, he said, you understand repentance? Yes. Okay, do you want to repent? I'd like to. Well, all right, this is what you do to repent. And then he'd get, go from there to water baptism. But he won't baptize them yet until he's able to give them the message about the Holy Ghost. And when they get to a certain place, he'll bring them to church. Well, he was going to bring them to church this night on a Sunday night. And they had never been in our church before. So he prepared them ahead of time. He said, that now, in our church, we're going to be, you're going to find it's going to be exciting. It's going to be thrilling. It's going to be noisy. They're going to sing, and they're going to clap their hands. And said, and when my preacher goes to preach, he, I'll tell you what, he's going to be anointed of the Holy Ghost. You're going to feel the Holy Ghost when he preaches. They didn't know much about the Holy Ghost, but a little bit he told them, got them ready for the Holy Ghost, to believe for the Holy Ghost. Well, when they came, it was... So much more than what they expected. But he, he brought them to church. And they live in San Francisco 50 miles away beyond where he lives. He had to go beyond where he lives to San Francisco, which was at least 50, 55 miles from our church. So he, he made them leave their car at his house. And he brought them in his car. And when they come in and sit down in a seat, and we got one lady there that she screams. Now, I don't know why people scream. I never could figure it out. But I guess you can just feel so good you've got to scream it out, I guess. But they had to sit right in front of her. Now, she doesn't get this way very often. But when she does, it makes you almost like your hair stand on end. And there they are sitting together. And he's got them all lined up. And a good spirit of the service comes down. And I'm telling you, both of those men and his wife said, if we could get out of here, we'd leave. But you can't get out of here. And they're sitting in this pew, and Bill's watching them. He said, that's the Holy Ghost working. That's the Holy Ghost. And they got to looking around and wondering. They couldn't relate to what that's all about. Well, they decided that they wasn't going to come back. But during the week, Bill spent time with them, telling them what the Holy Ghost is like what it means to be fully converted, what it meant to be saved from all sin, all unrighteousness. Well, they came back the next night. They, they had something that said, I don't want to go, but I can't stay away. There's something inside of you that said, I don't know what it's all about, but I know one thing, I, 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 I got to go back and see. Yes. Well, they got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> they got baptized. There's something about mothering the seed, caring for the seed. You see, when, when you plant seed, you've got to be sure you understand the depth of that seed. God programmed seeds, and I'm telling you, it's, it's a marvel to me. You plant some seeds, just a, just a little bit of a, enough to cover it, probably an eighth of an inch, and some you plant a quarter of an inch, some a half inch, some a three inches deep. Now, God programmed that thing in there. Now, you can cheat if you want, but it won't work. That ground's got to be around 70-something degrees to get okra to sprout or cotton to come up. 
and, and you can just leave it in the ground all you want, but until that temperature gets to that certain space, and they don't have no thermostat on that seed, they don't have no mechanism on that seed, God puts something in that seed, it'll germinate with enough heat around it, enough moisture, it's going to pop out of there. And if you keep your church with enough apostolic moisture flowing in your place and the warm presence of the Holy Ghost and the power of God can flow like a river through you, that seed that's inside of you is going to germinate. It's going to come forward. And it'll help others to find Him. In protecting the seed, you've got to know something about the seed. The seed needs to be protected until it's coming up. And then you've got to protect the plant after it gets up. But they don't understand. And by not understanding, there's all kinds of problems. Most problems I deal with is people misunderstanding one another. Amen. Misunderstanding each other. So when you understand something, you can receive it. And so when Dolores finally understood, now she enjoys this. So I'm telling you, there are some things that we need to keep in mind when we're trying to reach people is that they need to have an understanding. Now, because I give them information doesn't mean they know. Because I said so doesn't mean they understood. So you've got to keep working and make sure it goes across. But this is what I want to get at the very last of this one is tell you this. You need to pray that the Lord will open their understanding that they can understand the Scriptures. Amen. Amen. We need to pray for the understanding to be opened. Remember, the Lord said to these disciples on the road to Emmaus, they was all downhearted and discouraged. He said, put it in my terms, what's wrong with you fellows? Well, haven't you heard? They took the one we believed in and crucified him. And, and he's asking these folks are so discouraged, what's wrong with them? And he's the one who was crucified. Do you ever stop to think how much our mentality and our mind and our thinking blocks out what God's trying to tell us? We get so wrapped up in what we understand and our thoughts and our mind about something, and absolutely we just cut off the channel for the Word of God to have a free course in our hearts and our lives. This, the hard ground has vultures that soar the, the, the heavens looking for seed on the ground. And here comes in the vultures. And I, I've seen the time that when you go to talking to somebody about the Lord and try to get a Bible study. Their aunts and uncles and moms and dads from nowhere that never had any, any kind of religious background at all, all of a sudden wakes up and says, Oh, son, you, you know, you belong to the Catholic Church. He said, I never knew it before. He said, you, that's where you was baptized. Or you was in the Baptist Church. Or you was this kind of church. All of a sudden, these vultures come out. And they start soaring around because you're planting seed now, and the devil wants to take that seed out of your heart. And then sometimes somebody in the church is not very wise. They'll go up to them and want to straighten them out and tell them what they got to do and what you can't do. And I'm telling you, I wish they'd shut up. I know what you're against, but tell me, what are you for? You know, there's something about knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't do that. He could go home with a publican that nobody else would even associate with. He could go home with a tax collector that nobody would have any association with. He walked over their prejudice, narrow-mindedness. I'm explaining to you, there's some things about learning to know how to handle people and work with people and let the gospel have free course and not be hindered by our own awkwardness in dealing with people. When I look around and see some of these things in the past, we could have saved some folks, I'm sure, or we could have done a better job at least than what we did. But somehow God works around it all. 
Uh, he, he does. We just ignore it as we can be and stomp on the seed, walk on the seed, and spit on the seed. And God said, but I'll take care of it some way. You, you do more harm than good, but I'm going to make that seed germinate. I'm, I'm, I'm asking God to give us an understanding that God is more responsible for revival than any of us. He can give a revival in Nineveh when there's nobody there that believes in him at all. Send a preacher there that doesn't even want to go preach. Send a man there that didn't have one idea in his mind that these folks was even worth saving at all. Forty days and you'll be destroyed. He said, I wished it was today. You, I want to see you go to hell. I don't care about you. That's what he was feeling like. God takes all kinds of adverse circumstances, but when that seed is believed, it's going to be a revival because it's the seed that produces the results. You think you're such a great preacher. God took that old backslidden preacher and had the biggest revival the world's ever seen. You say, it's the preacher. No, it's not the preacher. It's the Word of God. The Bible said, and the people of Nineveh believed God. If, if you go to believe in God, you'll see the mighty works of the Holy Ghost like you've never seen before. And you get somebody believing God. It's not your finesse. It's not your good preaching. It's not your good whatever. God can walk over all of our ignorance and bring forth a revival for a hungry soul that's really hungry and thirsting after Him. He's going to get to Him somehow, some way, someplace. But He said, the seed... Springs up, and the enemy takes it, devours it. <clears throat> Years ago, Brother A.D. Gurley told me this experience. He said a young man came to the revival. He, he was a Saturday night drinker. His work was done on the farm. He got on a horse, and that was his big time over Saturday night was getting drunk. He came to the revival and repented of his sins and was so blessed and so happy. He come riding his horse into the house, and the old man lady was in the house going to bed, and they heard him coming in singing and making a lot of noise, and they said, oh, he's drunk again. He went out and put the horse in the, in the barn and put the saddle up and come in the house and walked into his dad and mom. Said, hey, mom and dad said, I went to church tonight. I repented of my sins, and oh, God, forgive me. And he was just shouting all over the place about how great it was, how good it was. The old man got out of bed, lit his pipe, and sat on the edge of the bed and said, Son, now let me tell you a little bit about religion. And the old man picked everything he had out of his heart, and the boy never went back. I give you all of this to tell you. There's something about winning people, saving people, reaching people, that is not all done when we preach in the pulpit. We need folks that goes out and protects the seed, watches over the seed, cares for the seed. There ought to be some protectors over those salmons that they don't lose them all. There ought to be somebody to watch after them. And so they provided a sanctuary someplace that salmons could spawn and make at least a half a chance of getting out to the sea. So I'm saying that is the kind of seed that you're going to deal with too. Well, the next one. What was the next one there? Hello, Chamber, uh, Chandler, would you read it? The one that got a little further along. Now, this is a place that got a lot of stones in it. A little bit of earth, stone here and there. And he got so happy about it, he received the seed, and he sprouted just like that. Uh, you know, I learned, man, don't count your eggs before they hatch. They come in really excited and thrilling. You think it's going to last forever, but their soul's about that deep. 
They got no depth in themselves, in themselves. They're like Reuben. They all, got all that going for qualities, but they're weak as water. Read on a little further. He doesn't have no roots inside. He lasts for a while. When trouble and persecutions arise, about the word, he's offended. He's offended. He's offended. That's the most carnal word in the Bible, offended. You're offended. You're offended. You sure couldn't have been my Savior because he could have been offended many times. When we get offended, it's because we're carnal. That, that's just plain and simple. That's, you're just carnal. But notice, I've seen those come in like that. Yes. Now, do you just throw them out and do away with them? No. You know what? I've seen seed that was sown looked like it was lost. Maybe a year, two, three years later, we made another contact. Don't give up on the seed. Don't give up on the personal witnessing. Don't give up on what you're doing. It's not what you see that's going on. That ground is happening under the ground. You can't see it happen. But it's an unseen part. And because there was no depth. Now, a good farmer out our way, we have a, a, the, the mountainsides, the hillsides, where they had to have farms. It was full of rocks. Now, you can take that ground and take those rocks, and many of those farmers did back in the early days of the turn of the century, and they built a fence around their property off of those rocks they had there. Rock fences. So that old boy doesn't have much depth that he hits a rock. He may hit a habit. He may hit something in his own personality. He may hit whatever's going to offend him or throw him off. But if I can get a piece of dynamite, I can blow that rock out of there and get some roots down there, he's going to live. So what do you do? You find out what's holding up the, pro the progress. I, when they take those rocks out of the fields and they line up over there and make a fence out of it, I tell you what it does. It, it makes you stop and look. See, see that rock? I overcame that one. That might have been my cigarettes. That might have been the booze. And that might have been my temper. That might have been my pride. But, but there they are. Now I got, all the, got that rock out of the road. And, and now I can hear the word and, and I can grow. So if you help the man to find out what's causing that thing to, to dry up, you can still have a crop. Don't give up on it. We give up too quick. Because we plant today, we don't harvest tomorrow. The Lord's got time for the harvest to ripen. He's got time to let it come, come to pass. So you've got to understand, children that's going to school have a problem. There's a difficulty. But you help them over that spot. Eventually, they get some root in themselves. And then they begin to grow on their own. I'm telling you, when I stop and understand some of these things here, I've lived in the place long enough to see the fruit of our labor that we sowed way back in the beginning, and now we're getting some fruit coming back in the house of God. Praise, praise God. Amen. God. One of the young men was in, our Bible, was in our Sunday school. That's all he was in. Just when he's a little old, I think he's about five or six years old. And then they moved, and the people that was bringing him to church didn't go find out where he was. He never did come back to church anymore. But when he got into college, he began to want to find that church he, that he was in Sunday school. He knew what it was like. He felt it. He knew what it was. He started looking. He went to church after church after church. He tried to join them, be in them, and all the rest of that. But every one he went to, he said, no, this is not it. No, this is not it. Back in the days, they had those prophecy updates we used to get. And we took them out in the college, and it was, everybody was interested in prophecy. I, I'm not. The Antichrist, I don't know where he's at. I'm not even looking for him. 
I got one that's bigger than that one coming, that's coming. So anyway, I don't mean you shouldn't have some interest, but I, I've, I've been so burnt on speculations that I don't want to put out dates and times and places like some of these folks do. But anyway, Larry was interested in prophecy. And so there was a prophecy update. And they had this paper out there. We put it out at the college. Had our address and phone numbers on it and everything. And he'd go up and see it and look around. Nobody's looking. He'd take it off and put it in his pocket, take it home and study it and read it because he was interested in prophecy. One day he went up and there's no more prophecy updates. So he got disturbed. He looked at the phone numbers up where he had it at home. And he called and got a hold of Brother Gooch. He's one of our elder ministers there. He uh, used to be a Bible school teacher. And... Uh, he answered, the, no, excuse me, Sister Elbrader, our school teacher, answered the phone. And he, he said that he wanted the prophecy update. She said, I think they've discontinued that. But we have a prophecy service tonight. There's going to be a, a prophecy service in our church. And we had a man who was coming going to preach on prophecy. I get other people to do that. I don't know how. So he come in and, uh, to preach, and she told him, said, now... Uh, he said uh, he didn't have a way to church. He said, well, I'll send somebody to get you. And Larry thought in his mind, he said, yeah, it'd be some little hump-shouldered fellow coming in an old car, scooting down the road, take me to some little storefront church. That's about what it's going to be. But I already said I'd go, so I cut back out. And lo and behold, Brother Gooch almost fit that whole description. <laughs> but when he stopped, he walked into our new building in our new church where we are, beautiful place. He was shocked. But as soon as he walked in the door, he said, this is it. He looked on the platform, saw Frank that he hadn't seen for years. He went up and said, Frank, where have you been? He said, right here. So I've been looking for you all these years. I tell you what, when the seed is sown, the Holy Ghost brings a, a, a feeling inside of you. You don't get away from that. You don't run away from that. There's something inside. So I've, I've lived long enough to realize the fruit of that labor that boy now is our, is our school teacher, uh, principal. He's most dedicated. He's got a one God message that he can preach it better than I can preach it. I'm just explaining to you, seed is precious. Seed is valuable. Seed is the thing that produces a church. Where there's no preaching of the word, there's no good church there. And we can't live on philosophies. We can't live on essays. We've got to have the word, the word, the word, the word. And lo and behold, when this seed... You get the rocks out of the way, get the depth down there, it can produce. In the land where I come from around the valley, and you plant uh, fruit trees in some places. We had alkali ground so much. And sometimes down maybe two, two or three feet is alkali hard pan. And water stays there and sours, and the fruit trees will die. So what they'll do, they'll get a big old DC-8 or DC-10 or whatever you want to call those big tractors with a big old deep, uh, what do you call the thing? It's a ripper of some kind. And when they get that thing down to where the hard pan's at and it hits it, I've seen that tractor absolutely be going along smoothly and hit that hard pan and stop dead still. The guy back it up, hit it again. Back it up, hit it again. Until finally he broke it. Now once you break it, the water can go on down through there. You can plant peach trees out there. That's what they had to do. And friend, there's some time that God's got to soften the ground up. He's got to prepare the ground. Don't get discouraged at it. While God, your son, what's happening to him? You can't be in a hurry. You've got to realize sometimes the ripper is working, and it's banging it, and it's banging it, and then all of a sudden they begin to give up a little better, and you begin to see the Lord begin to work in their lives. You know, there's something about the way God works. 
You have to understand these things or you're going to be discouraged and say, well, I went out and did personal work, nobody came. Well, so what? Was, no t- was it lost time? No. At least I went. In fact, everyone the Lord sent didn't, didn't come back with nothing. Did he reprove the man that went out? No. He said, you're, good, you're a good servant. You went to every place you were supposed to go. You didn't get nobody to go to the supper. And everybody that didn't come said, I tell you, they're going to miss it. They're going to miss it. Because I won't, I won't go back the second time and invite them. So I want you to see the beautiful part about the Word of God. You don't have to worry about is the seed good. It's a certified seed. It's guaranteed to sprout. It's guaranteed to come up. If you have the right kind of soil, it'll work, it'll work, it'll work, it'll work. But you've got to have some patience. That's what it takes to, to get the job done. When I was going to high school, I was talking to my best friend in the high school before the war started. Bill Bannis and I was graduated together. The war was, clouds were, it was over 1939, 1940, and then the war broke out December the 7th, 1941. Bill joined the Air Force. But before he went, the last year of high school, I had prayed through. God filled me with his power and his spirit. I spent my last year, the senior year, having the Holy Ghost in my life. All the other time I, I was, wasn't. And I brought those kids, several of them, to our little old tent with a sawdust floor. For a while, it didn't even have a tent over the top of it. I brought those kids to that tent, set in wooden benches, Walked down a sawdust trail, needed an old bench of, a, of a, a bench right here. I'm telling you, young people want something that's real. It looked like I didn't get any results. I brought several of the, the girls and several of the boys, and they had beautiful churches where they belonged, but they came and sat in those old seats. Bill Bannis, I talked to him about the Lord, about the Holy Ghost. He went overseas. He's flying the the B-29 bombing of Europe. He was shot down. He was captured. He and his buddy killed the guard, escaped over into Switzerland, got back into in the French underground, wanting to still fight. And they was brought into the underground. And Bill said that when they tried him out, because he was an officer, they gave him a gun to shoot every German officer that they had captured. He had to shoot them all. I thought, dear God, what's the matter with you? But that's war. But then one time, later on, when he got back home, he was flying jets. And jets was brand new in those days, as you know. I was standing and having my car worked on in a shop, and the main street of Kerman is one street. That's all it was. And something was coming down through the sky. We didn't know what it was. The man thought his air tank was blowing up. But that jet was coming. We never heard a jet in our life. And it was old Bill Bannis coming right down Main Street and just barrel rolling it like that. It sounded like a world coming to an end. I never saw him over the period of years. But they had a class reunion. And he put Bill Bennis on the phone. And Bill was talking to me. He said, Paul, you know that Holy Ghost you talked about when, years ago? He said, I got it. Hey, the seed 
don't need to be in the barn or in my head. It ought to be in the heart, somebody. Don't worry. It may not come forth like you think as quick as you think. But remember, the seed never dies. It lives, it lives, it lives, and 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 it lives. Hallelujah! Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's praise Him for it. Praise the name of the Lord. Thorny. He hears the word and the care of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, choked the word, and it became unfruitful. It was fruitful. It was choked out. You know, let me tell you, friend, your nature, he talked about it today. You blame the devil you want to, but it's your nature. It's your carnality that loves riches, loves the cares of this world. The devil doesn't care a thing about them. He can't even enjoy the cares of this world. Get the point. You get wrapped up so much overbalanced in all of this until it chokes out what you have had and you become unfruitful. You didn't mature, but it began to take away from you. That's why I'm telling you, when I got to see in myself and began to realize I can be in the church, I can be a preacher, I can be all these things, and it yet dry up in my soul, lose my touch with God, and carry on the performance of a, of a preacher. But I want you to know something. The seed is in here, and I can't let it die. I won't let it die. It's going to be alive. It's going to be alive. It's going to be alive. I can't give up. and can't give out. I can't stop. I can't quit until we finish the row that we're working on. There was a thorny ground. If, if anybody knows anything about chopping cotton, anybody chop cotton around here? Hallelujah. Bless you. I got, you got some southerners around here. If he's born in the south, he's either born in the pea patch or cotton patch, one of the two. But cotton, I was raised in the cotton patch. When you plant the cotton, we had to thin it out. Then we had to go in there and, and hoe the weeds out. Pull the weeds, I mean, chop the weeds out of, out of the cotton. You have to keep after everything that wants to choke out. Choke it out. Choke it out. There's something that you and I must always remember. You can never feel like you've got it made. I don't care how old we are. We haven't got it made. We've got to keep the weeds out. We've got to keep this, the cares of this world out. We've got to keep a balance in our life and our living. There's one thing for sure. You can't be a lazy person and make it either. You've got to make a living, that's for sure. But don't let that be the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. And that's loving and loving and knowing Jesus Christ. Put Him in your job. Put Him in your work. This thing's worked in my jobs. It worked in my life. I, this is the best thing I ever found. I, oh, I, I get so excited to think about it. I wish I could get on top of the house and shout it to, the, to Africa. you got to get something moving inside of you to get the feeling that the, the Word is what brings the life to you. Amen. God helped me with my job. I had to work trying to build a church. And I was working for wages, and I thought, well, this is not getting it done, so I had a contractor's license. I went to contracting, and from that. But I asked God to help me on every, every job I figured, every one I figured. And I tell you what, God helped us supply me. He made, he got people out in the center, people giving me stuff and giving me money out there. 
I did a whole track of houses for a fellow. He had two lots left over. He said, hey, here's the deeds of them two lots. We don't want to fool them no more. Uh, when you sell them, just give me what you want. He said, yeah, that happened. Did I say, yeah, I sold them. Yeah, I give him some, but I kept some. I'm, I'm, I'm time to tell you something. This thing works in your everyday living. I'm not talking about some pie in the sky, some monk on a mountain, somebody hiding in a hole. No, I'm talking about living everyday living, just everyday living, everyday living. It works on your job. It works wherever you are. If you're not lazy, you prepare yourself. God will make open doors for you in more ways than you can count. Amen. God help me. I was working, trying to build a church and all the rest of that. And I know it wasn't going fast enough. I got interested in buying and selling real estate. I loved that. If, I'd, if I hadn't been a preacher, I'd been a, I'd been a real estate, sure enough. But I quit before he got a hold of me because he was getting a hold of me. I got to accumulating that stuff. God helped me one time with a deal that it was, had to be the Lord. Now, I'm just trying to tell you this because it ought to wake you up. You think you can't, be, you can't work in the world and be a Christian? Yes, you can. You can be a businessman and, and be honest in the world. In fact, you'd be such a prize that they'd like to do business with you because you are a Christian. I had a situation one time. I, I bought some property. I didn't have it. In, I had it in escrow. It was with the SP Railroad. Now, you never can say you got a sale until the deal is passed and the money's given because they can take it out any time. It's not like a regular deal. And so I was buying this property. And when I was buying it, the Sebda Adventist doctor's offices burnt down. About five or six doctors had an old house. They'd made offices, and it burnt down. I had this property. It's in escrow. My real estate man was looking for property for them. I had three acres that I had bought. It was open land. It was ideal for what they wanted. They really wanted it. Pete said, well, how much do you want for this portion of it? I said, 25000 Well, I only paid twelve five for the whole bunch. And so he said, that's good. I said, you'll get it. So we went down to the doctor's meetings that they had, and they say their little prayers and go through their little rituals. And, and they told me, he said, well, that's, that's, that's too much money for that, for that property that you want to sell to us. I said, well, that's what I want. And they said, well, Pete, t take him in the back room, talk to him for a while. Well, Pete took me in the back room. He said, don't change. I went back. He said, well, he won't change. He's made up his mind. They paid the 25000 I had more to the thing. Before it's all over to give you the whole story, before I finished with the whole thing, I made $18,000. Didn't even have the thing in my own name. I can't explain all the details to you, tell you right now. I'm just trying to tell you. God will work things out for you. God will do things for you. This is the most exciting thing that ever happened to me, friend. I'm trying to tell you something. Sometimes you think the religion belongs in the church. It doesn't go on the job. It goes on the job right along with everything else you're doing out there. I drove in the material yard to get material. Cy Mullins worked in the material yard to help me with my material when I was going through there. Uh, when I was plastering. Yes, sir. His little baby got sick and died. I had already gone down to Exeter to visit Brother Tool at the time. They called me on the phone. Cy Mullins had no church, but he knew me going in now to buy material. He knew I was a preacher. 
he called me and I run all the way back. I didn't even get out of the car hardly come back to preach that child's funeral. And from that, we prayed his wife and himself and his kids through the Holy Ghost in a period of time. It wasn't all in one time. I'm just trying to help you understand. When you start sowing the seed, you, you're gonna, if, if you follow that seed up, and you had a history of that seed and the operations, all that happened to it, what was given, and what caused it to grow in spite of what was happening around it, you have to say, Jesus, you're the best farmer I could ever find. You know how to raise a crop in the middle of the desert. <laughs> Hallelujah! I'm telling you, this is the greatest thing ever happened to a human being, that you could be part of his kingdom, part of his work, and part of his field of his labor. Hallelujah! Well, praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, I could go on and on. Because I'm telling you, friend, this is the most exciting thing that I know of. The property where we have our church, is, it was just a hand of God. I come down that road. I knew that was a place for our church several years before. I tried to get my assistant then. He was in the real estate as a salesman to look into it. And he, he said, oh, it belongs to the estate. And he, he wouldn't do it. And I was busy and I didn't trace it back myself. But when he left, thank God he did leave. He was a dud. He said, I went down the street. There's a sign, a real estate sign. It was a rainy April day for sale. I ran to the real estate office. Two and a half acres of a five acre parcel. That one belonged to one brother, two and a half belonged to the other brother. I went in and put the down payment on it for 25,000 two and a half acres on First Street. He said, I think I can get the other half. Maybe you have to pay a little bit more. I said, we want it. We finally made the deal. Five acres, $53,000. Just about four or five years ago, right across the street, one acre with apartments to be built on it, $500,000. I could have made a million off of this. Yeah, that's right. I'm telling you. And I knew it was good because anytime I get that good feeling when I did business and I bought real estate, I never lost on one case. Because when I got that certain something, it paid off, brother. Hallelujah. You want me to buy you some? I, tell you, it, it is, I haven't missed yet. But I'm telling you what, I can't get into it. It takes too much of my time. I can't put my mind to it, and I can't fool with it. And so I, 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 when I got out, I got out. But I'm trying to get across to people that in the church that work for a living, that just common ordinary workers I'm telling you we live with almost apologizing for our un what inabilities to do things you can be whatever you want to be if it's legitimate if it's right you can do that you said how much money should I make as much as you can get it's not the money it's what you do with it and how you handle it that makes the difference there's where it's at. Well, anyway, sometime later on, a man come by. 
He said, I want you to know you just got this property a little before me. He said, as you went in the real estate office and you come out, I came in behind you to get that piece of property. I wanted it for a nursery because it borders on two streets. Time, it was the time. The moment, the second. When I look back and see that, I said, thank you, Jesus. Do you hear what I'm telling you? We ought to be the thrillest, happiest, most adventurous people in the world. This is absolutely wrapped up in the great, wonderful adventures of learning to love Him and to know Him and to serve Him and walk with Him. God can give you wisdom. He can give you knowledge. He can give you understanding. And you ought to be the best kind of students in schools because God will give you the extra touch if you just seek His face and learn to know Him. Amen. The last one said... He hears the word, and he understandeth. Now look, just a second. I'm trying to give you some understanding. When we're teaching, we're not just teaching to fill space. If I can give you some understanding of the principles, how God works, and how the seed works, and how you work, and how God works, I'll tell you what, you ought to be able to do great, wonderful things with Jesus Christ because that's exactly where it's at. It's in the sowing of the seed, and the seed is not necessarily sown in the, in the fact of, that I'm, I'm winning a person. That is part of it. That is the main part of it. But also, remember, the seed is the Word of God. He said to Joshua, you meditate in the Word day and night because this is the seed part, the Word. You've got to get the Word in you. It's got to be inside of you. You must learn to seek His face and meditate and so on and get that Word inside because it will germinate. It will produce what it promised to produce. It will do it. If a peach tree is planted, it's going to be a peach tree. An apple tree is going to be an apple tree. You don't have to worry about it crossing over. There's a beautiful part about the Word of God. It can keep you in the hour when you're tested the hardest. Now, the part I want you to see here, read it one more time. Go back over and I won't stop you this time. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Is that the end of that? Okay. Now notice this. When he gave out the, the portions, he gave one man five, ten, one. You see, the percentages, it doesn't matter if you got one or if you got five. It's the increase that he commended you for. Now, the man's excuse was, he said, I knew that you was a hard man. You didn't reap where you had not sown. Now, I'm going to catch you here. If you're, gonna, if you're sharp, you'll catch it. <laughs> I'll see how good you are. He said, uh, uh, here's the one talent you gave me. I, I give it back to you because I knew you. You reap where you didn't sow and you didn't straw. That is true. He said, you are right. Because Jesus does not sow, nor does he reap. He's got sores. We're the one that does it. He doesn't come down and do it now. So what does he say? He said, if you just got the seed out of the bag and you invested in it, if you only had one, you'd come up with two. 
and you got just as much praise as a man that came up for five and got ten. Because he's not going to do the sowing for us. He's not going to do the getting the saw ready for us. He'll work on them. He'll deal with them. But we are the little cotton pickers right here. We are. We are. And if you don't get it and I don't get it, it's going to be a fall crop. It won't, it, won't, it won't produce the results that we need to get. So I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, when you start learning how the Word of God works, it's the most exciting thing in the world. My wife and I have been living together for about 54 years. And uh, we sit down and talk about the things that God does and the Word of the Lord and a few of these things. We got to talking just yesterday and going over some things. I want to tell you, this is the best time of my life. Man, I feel better now than I ever felt in my life. I don't worry about a lot of things you young people weren't about. I've already passed that day. God bless you. Hope you make it. I'm just trying to tell you. I'm more in love and more at peace about the things of God than any time in my life. Amen. I've come to the place that I'm going to enjoy serving Him and living for God and have a good time doing it. Somebody called some few years ago and told my wife if... If I didn't, they didn't get a hold of me uh, that night, that the district was going to split. And uh, when I got, she said, well, he's asleep, and he, he's going to get up at 5 o'clock. Do you think it'll split before 5 o'clock? <laughs> she said, no. He said, no. Well, I had to get up at 5 to leave to something. But anyway, he, he was on the phone at 5 o'clock. And what he had, this, what little thing he had, I don't know what it was. It wasn't worth remembering. Stayed up all night long. Let me tell you what. It can split tomorrow. I'm going to just see which end goes where. He said, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to watch it. If God doesn't keep it, I sure can't. I want to be sure I'm on the right end of the splits. I'm trying to get a point across. If God doesn't build the house, we labor in vain. And we go out and fret and stew and fret ourselves over things. We need to wake up. We talk, we got a God that takes care of it every day. He doesn't sleep. Why shouldn't I? Why should I stay up? He's awake anyway. I'm trying to get a point across. When you hide the word in your heart, it begins to give you confidence in the living God because his word said certain things. And when you love him and you know him, you can lean on that with all of your heart. Joshua. I want you to meditate in this book day and night and do according to all that's written therein. Then I'll make everything you do to prosper. That's the best formula I know of. You can go out down here and hear Zig Ziglar and, and hear Maxwell and, and all the rest of the fellows with the high-pressure deals that they've got and all the little magic they pull. Let me tell you what. They, they make more money off of you than, than what they tell you to do because if, they, if what they're telling you could do, why don't they do it? I'm trying to get a more point across. I'm going to be closed and tell you this one end of this thing. Look, the Word of God is powerful. When you learn to meditate and think on it and make it muse in your spirit and you get this feeling it, you don't get it in the crowd. You get it alone when you're still and you're quiet and let that Word sink inside of you. You're hungry. God's going to take you to learn of Him. You see, when you're hungry, you can, you can, you can sit still. Your mind not saying, now hurry up, get this over with, hurry up, get this over with, go out and do it. No. 
I can't even prove to anybody I've done anything when I come out of the my study or doing something and he said what have you been doing well i've been studying well you guys sit around and sit around deal and don't you don't do anything no not according to you but you can't learn to know god in a hurry so you might as well set some side of, some part aside i have a young couple that absolutely had problems difficulties <clears throat> and there's about to become i, I thought was going to lose them entirely not out of my church but out of another church i went to him talked to him i said now look You've got to make this thing right, and that's for sure. And they wanted to make it right, and they did. Then I started telling them how to know Jesus Christ. And I said, if you really want this to work for you, you better get your heart set on learning to know Jesus. Because what you're in right now, you need to know him. Because if you don't, he's going to put bitterness in your heart. I got a letter just the other day. It's a nice letter. It said, Brother Price, what you taught us has brought us through this. I wouldn't trade what I've learned for anything in the world. That's the secret right there. The pastor that took these folks to try to rehabilitate them, he said, I don't know what they're doing, but she'll come to church for an hour, and, and he, she'll go home, and he comes to church for an hour. I said, well, I'm glad to hear that because I told him. I said, now, look, you've got to get alone, not with the kids. So if, if you have to, one of you stay with the children, and let the other one go for an hour, two hours, free time. Then you come back and let the other one go for an hour, two hours for free time. He said, that's what those kids have been doing. He said, they didn't tell me anything you told them, but they're doing it. He said that they have changed. He said, I went along the road, and at a certain point, I was going to try to make use of him again. He said to the pastor, Pastor, you don't have to do that. I'm learning. I'm learning. I can't tell you how much I just feel like if I could open the mind of people to realize that book is right. Don't argue with it. If it said do it, do it. It'll bring fruit to your own soul. You'll eat the, you'll eat the benefits of your own walking with God, learning to know Him and walking with Him. It'll be the best thing you ever found in your whole life. It'll thrill your soul because that's what it takes to live for God is that hungering, thirsting, reaching and letting your heart be affected by his presence then when you learn to understand what I've talked about tonight how the seed works and how the word works and how God works and how we fit into the whole program it gives you a little confidence and faith to realize I haven't wasted my time man been out of my church for I don't know how many years two years ago he come back and he said brother price can I come back to church since he left he his they he, he and his wife divorced back there years ago he got married again lived in town I hardly ever saw him in all those I don't know how many years, 10 to 15 years, at least that. He said, I was in vacationing back in Georgia. He said, a lightning bolt hit right beside my trailer when I was trying to put up the awning out there. He said, I said, oh, God, I hear you, I hear you. He's a backslider, but God gave him a jolt. He come back to the house of God. He said, Brother Price, I, I wanted to come back a long time ago. I'm telling you, those backsliders, they, they want to come back. They want to feel this again. I know they cluttered up a lot of junk in their heads and all the rest of that. But I'm just trying to get across to you. There's something about the touch of God. You'll never get away from it. You can backslide and go to hell, but you'll still remember it, friends. You'll do it. You'll do it. You can't get away from this. It's too powerful, too wonderful, too effective. 
and whatever you've had with God has stretched out your spiritual feelings and emotions way out here, you'll never come back to the same level you were. You may come back a distance. You'll never come back like you were because you can never get an experience with Him and come back and be the same person you ever was. Amen. I love Him. I'm trying to transmit it to young people. God bless you. It's open to you. The field is there. You're hungry. I can see it in these people. You see? And now, don't get it fretful and don't get discouraged with yourself. Don't get upset because you don't, you're not able to do all the things you want to do in a hurry. Just remember, you don't grow but a little bit at a time, unnoticed. And when you, God gets through with it, you can tell a lot of difference later on. But the hunger is down deep in your hearts right here. How many in your heart feel it right now? You feel that hunger, that desire? You know what the Lord's telling you? He said the seed is in you. You already have the seed in you. Let's stand and worship Him. Let's stand and worship Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I worship you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, touch our hearts. Move upon this congregation. Bless them to learn of you and walk with you. Lord, open their eyes, their understanding. Teach them how to hear your voice and feel after your spirit. Oh, Lord Jesus, open their understanding of the ways of the Lord. They worship, they'll worship you in a spiritual way deeper than ever before. Oh, hallelujah. We love you. We love you. We love you. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We love you. We love you. We love you. We worship you. How great thou art. How great thou art. How great thou art. I love you. I worship you, Jesus. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. Holy is thy name. Holy is thy name. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. We worship you. My Lord and my God and my Redeemer, I worship you, I worship you, I worship you. I praise you, I love you, I exalt you, Jesus. I give honor to your name, I give honor to your name, I give honor to you, Jesus. My Redeemer, my Healer, my Salvation, my Peace, my Joy. Oh, you're my righteousness. Oh, I love you, I worship you, Jesus. Oh, how great you are.
can think of to say is, wow. Amen. I've had so many answers to so many questions that were in my heart answered for me this week. Amen. I don't know about you, but for a long time I've been just so dissatisfied. And I've wondered, how do I get closer? How do I establish more intimacy? And I've sought and I've thought, God, what is the answer? Brother Price has just so beautifully answered all these questions in my heart. Amen. Give me so much to work on. Brother Price, we may just not let you go home in the morning. Hallelujah. We may just kidnap you. <laughs> and keep you here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, thank God. Thank you, Brother Price. Amen. I'll tell you what, I just... Sit here spellbound, and what really blesses my heart, I look out at the congregation and I see my own people just weeping and seeking after God. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for coming tonight. Let me remind you that the clocks go back an hour tonight. Sunday school starts at 10 o'clock in the morning. Brother Price will be teaching. And uh, if you belong to another church, you belong there. Amen. But if you don't, you're welcome here. Hallelujah. Sister Joyce, you belong here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, Lord, bless you tonight. And uh, you're dismissed in Jesus' name.